grab your popcorn and snacks, find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Good evening, everybody. How's everybody doing? I'm doing great. You know, we're one day closer to to Friday. You know, and tomorrow, and, and we got Thursday, and then Friday coming up with Nancy Matz. It's going to be a it's this great week. My name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour. I'm also going to I'm also gonna, I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team, based out of Sacramento, California. We're 45 strong up and down the state, which means if you have a paranormal need, be it ghostly, be it UAP, alien, you know, cryptid, whatever, we can get to you. The only issue is California is like this really big state. People don't realize just how large we are in that we, you know, people know about our beaches, right? People know about our mountains, but they don't know about the stuff in between. There's a lot of farmland, a lot of open area, and there's also desert. There's desert in California. So it may take us a couple days to get to you, but we will. And in, in between, you know, for those days that it takes a couple days to get to you, what we'll do is we have mediums on staff that can call you and, and consult with you about what you might think is going on in your home or business. And in most cases, they can settle that stuff down for us. So until we get out there. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So, you know, if you're interested in that, check us out on Facebook. Check us out on Twitter. Check us out on YouTube. Check us out on the on uh, TikTok, check us out on on, on uh, Instagram, check us out on Twitch. We're everywhere. We're everywhere. Oh yes, and on Threads now. And I'll give you the addresses in a second. I'm really excited today. Uh, we've been doing really good, you know. As far as uh, I've been doing these reels over at TikTok and different places and and moving things around, and I'm really really stoked because whatever it is we've been doing, and I mean all of us, everybody that watches this show over here on Facebook. I'm going to nail on Facebook right now because I'm in YouTube jail. <laughs> Whatever it is we're doing, Facebook has taken notice. And um, they actually offered me, well, I signed up for this program today, and I'm not going to say much about it. Just that I just want to remind everybody that your clicks, your happy faces, your hearts, your, 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 your thumbs ups, they all count for something. Okay? Especially starting today. They all count for something. And your comments. Anytime you have a comment on one of these videos here over on Facebook, it counts for something. And I couldn't have gotten this far without you guys. Without you guys watching my reels, without you guys watching my watching these shows, I couldn't have got there without you. And I want to thank you all, but, you know, there's still work to do. There's still work to do on these. So not only did I get involved with the Facebook Stars program, where you can donate stars to, you know, help keep this creator on the air, blah, blah, blah. There's also another program that I am involved with right now that Facebook got me started on today. So I'm really excited. So I'm starting to move. You know, it's taken three years to get here to where we're really starting to move and, and move in an upward direction. Now, being <laughs> being in a YouTube prison isn't helping my situation this week, but uh, I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot, you know, about Facebook and, and how many people are actually viewing our videos, you know, from, from that end of it and stuff. But uh, hopefully by you know by Tuesday I'll be out I'll be out of I'll be out of YouTube jail and uh, back to everything will be back to normal you know we'll we'll be out, we'll, we'll be broadcasting live on YouTube and here like we're supposed to be doing. 
I did appeal that, and I lost the appeal. But I've got my own reasonings for appealing, and then life goes on. I'm not going to sit here and cut any of I'm not going to bite the hand that feeds me, as they say. You know, so you know, I'm just saying that I have to apply by the rules like anybody else. And it happens. It happens. Anyway, if you want to find us, you can find us on Facebook under California Haunts. You can find us on Twitter under California Haunts. You can find us at Twitch under Cal Haunts. You can find us over on TikTok under California Haunts, all lowercase. You can find us on Instagram and threads under Ghosty Gal, and that's all lowercase. So it's really easy to find my group, really easy to find my team. And I am recruiting for new team members, and I do have, I, I taught a class last week, which is the introductory class to, to becoming a team member. And I'm teaching the same class again because there was so much response to people that wanted to take the class. I'm teaching the class again on Saturday at 6 p.m. Pacific. So if there's still there's still five spots open over there for that class. If you're interested, let you know go go over to the California Haunts meetup page and sign up over there. You got to go there, go to events, and you'll see that it, it, it'll pop up and sign up over there because this is the last time this year that I'm going to offer this because we did have a really good turnout last week. And so I wanted to, uh, I want to have team members. Oh, look, the video slowed down. Hey, don't be doing that. Looks like my internet's going to have issues. Nice. Okay. So from there, I'm going to be selecting new team. We're going to be selecting new team members. So um, I, I had questions with it of, you know, how, you know, how come you're recruiting all these people and there's only so many spots in reality, because uh, COVID and the fact that I kind of took time off after all the deaths in my family and, you know, and stuff around me, you know, my team is a handful of people now, and I like to have a bigger, bigger, bigger group of people, obviously. I mean, 40, I do have 45 spread out, but locally, I like to have a bigger group of people because, you know, if somebody can't make an investigation last minute, I, I, I can pull from that. Okay, so that's the reasoning behind it all. I like to have a big team. I like to have a big team. So come on over to the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team Meetup and sign up over there because the first procedure is you take this class, and the second part, if you take this class, if you like what I had to say during this class. Then the next steps is we have a big, we have a meeting over at Denny's with uh, established team members because we want to make sure we get the right fit on this team and everybody gets along and all that good stuff. Beyond that, if everything goes well, then th there will be an investigation. There might be a couple investigations because it's you know if it's a bigger group and we'll just divide it up into two or three investigations to be able to, to get you some hands on with the equipment and see how you do in, in an investigation setting. And then it goes from there, okay? So it's a, it's a three-step process with this team. We're very fussy about who comes on this team. Very fussy. All right, that being said, we are live tonight on Facebook and TikTok. I have a new TikTok. I'm real excited. And again, help me out, okay? If you like what you see today and uh, you like what you hear today, my great guest, Paul Blake-Smith, who's been on before, okay? If you like what you see and hear today, be sure to give me a thumbs up, happy face, Show me some love with some hearts and let me know. Comment. Be in the chat room. Don't be shy about the chat room. I will not. You know, I'm not one of these people that blocks people just because they, they have a different opinion than, than I do. Okay. I'm not one of those people. Now, the only way I block you is if it's something that, you know, if you're trying to sell sell porn stuff. <laughs> and I've had that happen before in the chat room. That's the only way I'd block you. So come on in. Get involved in the conversation with us and all that, with Paul and I and all that. And uh, remember, if you, if you like what you see, give me those thumbs up and those hearts and, sh and show me some love. Okay? Also, if you haven't done so already, please follow. 
please follow. Since I've been doing these reels, I'll get more and more followers. It's getting exciting. It's really exciting to watch. All right. So my guest tonight has been on before, Paul Blake Smith. And the last time he was on, we talked about uh, president, you know, the knowledge of the government being the president of the United States who knew about the aliens being here. And we, we had a good chat about that. This night is something that I didn't know. Okay. There's even stuff I don't know. And I didn't know that Jackie Gleason, and for those of you that are too young to know who he is, he was a terrific comedian. He was also a very good, serious actor. He did a movie when I was growing up, and it's a movie you don't hear about called Gigo. And uh, my dad loved this movie. And I used to watch this as a kid all the time. I've seen it like 20, 30 times. Anyway, so Jackie Gleason was a UFO, I'm going to say aficionado, or really into studying UFOs. In fact, I, I believe, I'm going to let Paul clear that up, that he, was a, he, he enjoyed investigating UFOs. And at one point, I guess Rich, President Richard Nixon took Mr. Gleason to a base to see the bodies of aliens. Sounds cool, huh? And then there's also Mr. Gleason, and, and I, my understanding is from following Paul, that Mr. Gleason was so into this that he, he built a house in New York that was that, that was shaped like a flying saucer. So we're going to be talking to Paul about that. So I'm really excited to have Paul to, to have Paul Blake Smith back on with us to talk about this stuff, you know. And again, if you like what you see, be sure to hit those thumbs up and uh, hit those smileys and and and, and, get, and show and show me some love with some hearts and stuff. All right, because that's what we're here for. We're here to entertain. It's pure entertainment, you know, and it's just opinion. It's, you know, there's, there's, there's all this going on, right? You can't, and I'm not saying not to take this stuff seriously because it is something to take seriously, but I mean, it's all opinion. We're here. Did it happen? Did it not? Just like my ghost hunting, right? Are there ghosts or are there not ghosts? I can only prove so much, right? And that's, that, that's how we do this. That's how, that's what this is all about. And I want to add one more quick thing. And I said, I don't know if I talked to Paul about this the last time he was on. I must have been, I had to be like 12 because I, you know, it's for me to remember and read something like this. But years ago, and I just wonder if this is related to his story, to, to, to what we're doing tonight. Years ago, I think it was Argosy Magazine. And there was an issue of Argosy Magazine. My dad used to read Argosy Magazine. The only thing he would read was National Geographic, Argosy, and Popular Science. And somehow I don't think anything about UFOs and aliens are going to be in popular science, right? It had to be Argosy Magazine. And as a kid, I saw this. The front cover of Argosy had pictures of aliens that were in, like, an operating room. And I remember this. And I remember opening the magazine because I, even back then I was into this stuff and seeing these pictures of these aliens. So I don't know, you know, since then I can't even find a copy of this, magazine, this particular issue of the magazine you know, that had this, but I just wonder, because that was the early 70s, because I would have been at 12 years old, I would have been since 75, like 77, it might have even been sooner, before that, okay, but it was, you know, it, it might have something to do with what we're talking about today, I'm just saying, someday, I, I wish somebody, if there's anybody out there that, that can find me that copy of Argosy Magazine, I would love it, I would love to bring it on the show and show it, because I did see that, I did see that as a kid. I remember that. Okay. Time to bring Paul on, and it's going to be a great show, and I'm sorry I took so long with my opening monologue tonight, but uh, there's just a lot going on that I'm really stoked about. So here we go.
Hey, Charlotte, I've never visited anyone in YouTube jail before. How are you doing in that? In that I'm cell? doing okay. It's, it's a bummer place to be. You know, it's a real bummer. And it's on, it's, it's on a video that was out like a year ago. So I don't know what's up with that, but whatever. Yeah, uh, you're not alone. I know someone else who's, whose entire collection of videos, uh, I think on the paranormal, were wiped out. And he's really upset about it. I, I, his name escapes me, and I probably shouldn't say it on the air because he's kind of embarrassed. So you're not alone, and you're getting back on. I, I don't know if my friend is going to uh, be allowed back on. They're cracking down on what they think is in their judgment, uh, acceptable or not. So good luck. <laughs> I, I guess so. Yeah. So I'm stuck. The, 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 they shut me down on Monday. So I'm stuck till Tuesday. I got seven days, okay. seven days wait. And I've had to reroute all the video, you know, like these shows, I've had to reroute everything to Facebook and <sighs> I'm tired. I should have brought you a cake with a file in it. And you there we go. That's what I need is a cake with a file in it. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so for the folks that don't remember who you are, let's get some of your background and start off. All right. I was born and raised in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, site of the 1941 UFO crash that uh, I wrote a couple books about. And my publisher recently came to me and said, could we do something about reissuing this, uh, combining the two books? And I said, that sounds fine with me and whipped it together. And it should be out this fall in a hardback, my first hardback book. Uh, it's got some new information, not earth shaking, but some new tidbits and nuggets, and that should be of great interest. Uh, my grandfather was city attorney of Cape Girardeau for many years, and my father was a, a paralegal assistant, and my mom was an educator in the area of the crash itself. So uh, I since uh, moved to another town, and I started writing more books, uh, including President Eisenhower's Close Encounters, mm -hmm. and uh, my latest book from uh, Foundations, you can find it on Amazon, uh, the Nixon Gleason Alien Encounter, which uh, is doing just fine. There's the cover. And uh, it's just cram full of stuff. I try to give you as many facts and allegations and uh, reasonable speculation to link some things, not crazy conspiracy theories. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'd be happy to discuss any matter of it uh, you wish. But as you mentioned, it sure is a surprise to find out the depth of Jackie Gleason's UFO obsession when the more you read and research about this guy, I don't think there was anyone in this country in his day in the 50s, 60s, and 70s more obsessed with aliens uh, than Jackie Gleason. And I can tell you all the reasons why. Well, let's do that. Let's talk about Jackie Gleason. I mean, I never would have, you know, I never would have figured him to be into this stuff. Yeah, uh, he had what you would call a normal <laughs> uh, movie and television career. But on one episode of The Honeymooners, he comes out in this wacky space alien costume and he says, I am the man from space. And Alice makes fun of him for his silly costume and everything. But that gives you an early indication of how far back uh, this goes. In 1954, one year before that episode came out, Jackie authorized uh, an architect to work with him to custom build his own UFO house, which he had built out in the countryside of Peekskill, New York. Jackie lived in an apartment in Manhattan, and it was a good 35, 40 miles into uh, Westchester County, New York, to get out there. And he outfitted it with a Tesla scope, a special Nikola Tesla telescope, and a Tesla coil that allegedly Tesla used to try to contact aliens. He, yeah, and he uh, kept one room full of ham radios. 
his stepson said Jackie always had this bedroom of up to like 30 ham radios. And when knowing Jackie's obsession, he was probably trying to contact aliens, not just listen in arbitrarily. Uh, Jackie would call up uh, UFO authors in the country and quiz them about uh, the details in their books. And then he'd call up the people interviewed in the books, the people who came forward with UFO sightings. Uh, he would call into a New York City radio program, uh, the, uh, well, the, the, I forget the guy's name, naturally, uh, Long John Keel or something like that, had an overnight radio program in New York City, and he would call in and talk about UFOs, and you can even hear some of that on YouTube, your old buddy. Uh, there's some uh, audio, and it's not very good quality, but Jackie says at one point, I was talking to Edward R. Murrow, and I told him, I think UFOs are the most important subject in the whole world. That was how obsessed he was back in the 50s and 60s. And he wanted the hard proof. And this is where we get to the crux of the matter with President Nixon. Jackie went on the air, uh, maybe in the 50s, and said, I'll give $50,000 to anyone who will show me the hard proof that we are being visited. He just was obsessed with this. And he pumped it up to 500000 Jackie made like $14 million a year, an obscene, crazy amount, because he had movies, TV shows, uh, rerun residuals. He put out music albums of Jackie Gleason's Symphony Orchestra, and he had a fortune, and he could just call up anyone he wanted, talk to anyone he wanted, buy anything he wanted, but mm -hmm. he wanted them. The biggest, most exciting thing in the whole world, hard proof of aliens on our planet. So by the early 70s, he had pumped that offer up to $1 million. Wow. And that's why I think Richard Nixon finally took him up on that offer. <laughs> um, this just fascinates me in that, you know, I mean, it's understandable that somebody, I mean, we're interested in it, so why not? You know, why not somebody like Jackie Gleason being interested in this stuff? But to take it that far, it makes you wonder how much, how far deep into the research he really was. Yeah, I mean, pretty far deep. Uh, he knew the, according to uh, some biographers, friends talked to the biographer and said, Jackie knew every detail of every UFO story of a crash or a sighting. And uh, he just uh, devoured books and periodicals in his personal library. When he died, he had 1,700 books and periodicals that are donated to the University of Miami, and they're in a special reading room at their university. And you can see his obsession. The majority of them are on UFOs. Big surprise there. Mm -hmm. And so uh, he was, uh, he moved from New York City, sold his UFO house that he had custom built, mm -hmm. and one of his guests at the house, I have read, was Richard Nixon. Okay. Uh, and he moved lock, stock, and barrel to Miami. Uh, CBS bought the UFO house from him and uh, continued to rent it out to various wealthy people, including David Bowie, the rock star, uh, in the 1970s. Uh, Bowie had his own history of UFO obsession, and I don't think it's a coincidence that he bought Jackie's UFO house. Sure. I put this in the book, but we'll stick to Jackie for just a bit because he set up camp in Miami. And he loved to golf. He was just obsessed with golfing. And that's where he and Richard Nixon bonded in the 60s when Nixon lost the 1960 presidential election, had a lot of free time on his hands. Mm -hmm. uh, he lived in California. This is California haunts. 
Richard Nixon was a representative from California because he was born and raised there. And he became a senator from California, then vice president under Dwight Eisenhower for eight years. And he ran for president again in 68 with Jackie Gleason's endorsement. And uh, Jackie hosted a, a TV show on the eve of the election to urge Americans to vote for his friend, Richard Nixon. And uh, once Nixon got in office, Jackie and Nixon went golfing in uh, the Miami area uh, just a few days before the uh, Apollo moon landing with Neil Armstrong setting foot on the moon. That's how close Nixon and, and Gleason became. They were both conservatives. They both liked to tipple a little in the evening and they loved to play golf and they both perspired pretty heavily. So uh, it bonded them and they were pretty good friends. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if Jackie ever went to the White House. Why? He hated air travel and he hated going anywhere outside of the Miami area. Even when he left New York City, he went by train and took his whole cast and crew of his TV show with him and set up in Miami. So uh, Jackie didn't like to get out unless uh, he was uh, on a train or someone drove him somewhere. So that's where Jackie and Richard Nixon hooked up again in the early 1970s, according to Jackie's then wife, Beverly. Now, when you talk about him not wanting to travel by plane, that's something that a lot of those uh, these stars, well, not now so much, but back then, they didn't like to travel by plane. Yeah, uh, Jackie uh, traveled from New York to California to work in the movie business, and he hated leaving Southern California because he didn't want to fly anywhere. Right. And it's a big country, as you know, so he would take a train uh, almost every place he went if he had to go. So both Nixon and Jackie Gleason lived in the Los Angeles area in the uh, like late 30s and early 40s until uh, Mr. Nixon went to war in the Navy and was uh, serving honorably in the South Pacific. Mm -hmm. And Jackie made more movies. I think he was like 4F or something uh, due to weight and health problems that he suffered from all his life, really. And then Jackie got a big break in television and moved to New York City. Uh, so Nixon spent a lot of time in New York, and they may have been friends there as well. And so did, uh, during the uh, late 40s, Dwight Eisenhower became president of Columbia University, and Jackie would go golfing with a lot of celebrities, including um, Bob Hope, who was also a friend to Nixon, Eisenhower, and Jackie Gleason. And I put in my book, you know, Bob Hope was part of this golf tournament, and partnering with Jackie Gleason on the day of February 19th, 1973. And we'll get to what uh, Nixon and Gleason are alleged to have done that night. But Hope and Gleason were pretty close, and they partnered at this golf tournament. And then, as it happens, uh, Bob Hope went home and custom-designed his own UFO house, which is still there to this day in Palm Springs, California, this big dome-shaped circular thing with a few circular buildings around it. And it's like, what's going on here? If Bob Hope did not go with Nixon and Gleason to the Air Force Base, which is possible, I think Jackie may have told him about it. They were so close. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's very strange that Bob Hope, of all people, would build his own UFO house. And uh, it was underway in construction in the summer of 73, and it caught fire and burned down. But Bob was not deterred. He paid for it to be built anyway. So he used it as a party house, just as Jackie Gleason used his UFO house for parties. And uh, it, it's just 
strange coincidence if there was nothing to do with the uh, what Nixon showed G Jackie Gleason at Homestead Air Force Base just south of Miami on uh, Monday night, the 19th of February. And uh, the listeners to your show may remember that date from our previous show because it's the exact 19th anniversary of the Eisenhower encounter in Southern California in which he is alleged to have gone to an Air Force base at night, just like Nixon did 19 years later, to see extraterrestrial visitation. So I don't think it was a coincidence yeah. in that uh, so many sources of the uh, Eisenhower story say a treaty was formed that night where Mr. Eisenhower asked the aliens who had landed and were friendly and spoke English to keep themselves at arm's length. Don't set off a panic. Uh, don't uh, come out and show yourselves and uh, create social chaos. And in exchange, we'll give you some technology and some plant and animal specimens in an in a air base, I believe, in Nevada, according to one document. So this agreement may have needed renewing every year or every 10 years mm -hmm. by the 19th anniversary. I don't think it's a coincidence that uh, Mr. Nixon went to an Air Force base that was convenient where he lived for a golf vacation uh, on February 19th, 1973. And so he took his friend Jackie there anyway. By the early 70s, Mr. Nixon had a real conundrum. His Watergate burglars had been caught and were threatening to talk to investigators and to the media. Nixon wanted them quiet at all costs, and they were asking for big money, at least a million dollars for openers. On the uh, Watergate tapes, you can hear Mr. Nixon, who bugged himself in the White House, anguished over how are we going to raise this hush money. And that's literally what he called it, hush money. Uh, that was in January of 73, a few weeks after the uh, I, uh, the Jackie Gleason trip to Homestead. There was no more anguishing. Nixon said, oh, that's not a problem. We have that. I know where we can get our hands on that. He was very calm about that. So we know that Jackie was offering $1 million for anyone who could show him the hard proof of alien visitation. So it doesn't take quite a genius to put these two together and come up with a little payoff. And it's uh, uh, no coincidence, I don't think, that Mr. Nixon and Mr. Gleason shared a lawyer named Herbert Kalmbach, who got into trouble with obstruction of justice and went to jail for handing out huge amounts of cash to the Watergate burglars to keep their mouths shut. You can put everything together here and see why mm -hmm. Nixon decided to take a man with no national security clearance his golfing buddy, comedian Jackie Gleason, to a top security Air Force base. Nobody told Nixon what to do. All previous U.S. presidents were dead by uh, February of 73. He was the only one left alive. And uh, J. Edgar Hoover was dead. Alan Dulles at the CIA was dead. There's a whole list of uh, uh, important people in government and in media who had passed on by uh, February of 73. I'll list them all in my book. Nixon was king of the hill. He just won re-election in a record landslide. Uh, they called him King Richard because he felt like he could do whatever he wanted. And so this is all starting to make real sense that he did take Jackie to an Air Force base and said, you know, I'm the president. Get out of the way. We're going to take a look at something, something Jackie wants to see. And so uh, I believe they went there by helicopter. So all this information came forth through what? One of Jackie's ex-wives, right? Right. Jackie's wife 
uh, kept her mouth shut in 73. But she said in 74, Jackie came home one night while hosting his golf tournament, pale and haggard. He looked like ashen. He was all shook up. And he, she said he told me where he had been because she asked, you know, what happened to you? Right. And he said, Nixon took me to Homestead Air Force Base and showed me the bodies at last. He showed me the evidence. Wow. And then he went on to describe what he saw. So Beverly wrote, uh, no, she gave an interview in 74, a rather brief one, and mentioned this. Mm -hmm. And it came out, uh, I believe, in the National Enquirer. Uh, Beverly mistakenly believed it was in the Esquire, but uh, she has the name wrong. Uh, and Jackie flipped out, lost his temper, called her up and chewed her out and said, you're not supposed to talk about this ever. So she waited nine years and decided, I'm going to write a tell-all book about Jackie, kind of cash in, ka-ching, ka-ching. And she decided to write her own article for the National Enquirer. And it came out in 1983, mm -hmm. the 10th anniversary of this uh, amazing event. And uh, she explained what Jackie told her that night. Jackie read this in the Enquirer, and he exploded again, called her up, keep your mouth shut, do not talk about this. They may have seldom discussed anything for the rest of Jackie's life, which was only four more years. Right. He passed away of uh, cancer and I believe diabetes and other health problems in 1987. Uh, she stuck to this story and did not um, change it in any way when she was interviewed in 2003. Uh, she didn't retract it. She didn't embellish it or try to make mm -hmm. herself out to be the big hero or something. Mm -hmm. She told it matter-of-factly, and that was her final interview. She's never released a tell-all book, and she's never given another interview. So we have these three interviews that have been unchanging, mm -hmm. and uh, they all tell an impressive-sounding story. We wish Jackie had told her more, or mm -hmm. if Bev knew more that she had told everything, but I think she did. I think that the, the fact is that she's told everything she knows and she's not going to embellish it further. Right. He doesn't want attention. And she uh, wanted to relay this to the American people that Jackie came in that night. She said it was near midnight and she'd been saying, you know, where have you been? And he said, we went to Air Force Base uh, south of Miami, Homestead, and the president and I were escorted at the base. We were greeted by armed escorts and taken to a, a laboratory which had a guard at the door, you know, an armed guard. And Jackie said, we went in and I finally got to see what I've been wanting to see. Now, do you think I should tell you and your listeners just what they saw in that room? Or should I keep it to myself? Let's hear it. I'd love to hear it. Because you know what? Like I said in the beginning of the show, this coincides with the magazine I saw. Yeah. Uh, you know, you were mentioning that photograph. Were there like eight or nine bodies laid out on these examining tables? Yeah, something, something yeah, like that. Yeah. I think I've seen that photograph, and they were all identical and gray and creepy yep. looking. Yeah. I think there was like a uh, UFO crash in like Germany or someplace overseas, and they were recovered, and that may be a genuine photo. It is super creepy, isn't it? It is uh, creepy. That's yeah, what I've seen so that on the internet. Like, you know? Yeah. Uh, I know there are plenty of skeptics and debunkers, and that's their right. But I've never really seen anyone tear that photo apart, you know, figuratively, that uh, it really is an eye opener. We got to find that. If I can find that on the Internet, I'll send it to you and you can put it on That's there. Classic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But so Jackie saw something a little different. He saw, according to his wife's memory, 
uh, four dead aliens on four examining tables in this special lab across uh, Homestead Air Force Base, where the uh, like the Army and the Air Force and the uh, maybe even the Navy all had mm -hmm. intelligence operations going on. It was a very sensitive base, uh, 90 miles from uh, communist Cuba and Fidel Castro and the Russians were down there. And so this was super sensitive. Uh, and so Nixon showed him into this room, showed him the bodies, and apparently didn't tell him too much. He said the bodies were about two, maybe a little over two feet tall, and were um, fairly big heads, big bug eyes, and pointy ears. They were dwarfish looking. And, you know, they match almost exactly the 1955 Hopkinsville, Kentucky sighting in which the Sutton family in that uh, famous UFO case said they were under assault by these strange dwarfish uh, alien creatures, had pointy ears and big bug eyes, and they were very mischievous, but they really didn't attack them too much. Um, and the family reacted with terror and grabbed their guns and shot at them and weren't able to seemingly kill them. But Jackie said um, this description told his wife this, uh, what they looked like. He didn't mention Hopkinsville to my knowledge, but the, the, the description matches perfectly. But Jackie said, I didn't see any injuries, but he felt like these looked like they'd been recently embalmed. I don't know how he came to that conclusion other than they were quite well preserved. Right. So they were of a different race than the ones we um, uh, talk about from Cape Girardeau. Roswell, uh, the human-like aliens who landed and spoke to Eisenhower in English, and they're different from those uh, stretched out gray cadavers that were somewhat human-like, uh, almost like clones in that photograph you mentioned of uh, these examining tables. So it gives more confirmation to people who say we're being visited by at least a dozen races, and they have accidents here. They're not perfect. They can't fathom uh, our uh, gravitational pull and our weather patterns and electrical storms, and they crash. And right. I don't know why some skeptics have a problem understanding that, that they're not perfect. They may come here a long way through maybe a dimensional portal or a stargate or a, a wormhole or something, and maybe their travel does not take uh, dozens of light years or... Uh, Maybe it takes 30 seconds for all we know. These are advanced creatures. Mm -hmm. But the, the dwarfish ones that Jackie saw really creeped him out. And that may not be quite all that Jackie saw. What else did he see? Mm -hmm. <laughs> there was a, a MeTV uh, article online because MeTV runs Jackie's old Honeymooners episodes. Mm -hmm. And it was about the Nixon-Gleason alien encounter. And this uh, story, is this true or not? And they gave the basic thumbnail description, which over the years has been a little polluted by um, uh, UFO researchers that have tried to insert themselves into the story and get creative with some of the facts. But I won't go into that. But I will say someone wrote in with some comments after the story. A man named Frank Noon, if that's his real name. And I'll preface my remarks on this by saying anyone can claim anything on the Internet. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, how do we know it's true? But right. Mr. Noon had a very interesting uh, set of comments. He said Jackie was taken to a hangar at the base 
one that you can see from the highway that runs past the base. You can see it. And he was taken in there and shown an extraterrestrial craft that it was alive. It was up in the air and it was so, uh, you know, activated that it had to be held down with cables to keep it like from shooting off somewhere. <laughs> and I thought, well, this is a very interesting level and of detail and pretty believable sounding as if Mr. Frank Noon had been at the base or he'd heard something about what happened there. And he wrote in with some facts that he uh, either knows or he's heard secondhand. And uh, so Jackie may have seen a spacecraft along with the bodies. And uh, if it's, so if that is true, it would account more for why he came home near midnight, uh, pale and all shook up like, boy, I really saw the facts. This was not a joke or a hoax to pull my leg or something like this. He got his money's worth, I think, uh, if he paid a million dollars, which I suspect he did. Uh, I also suspect Bob Hope was taken in and shown, but I can't prove it whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Just conjecture on my part based partly on that UFO house that he went off and built in the weeks and months afterwards. But Bob was uh, at the golf tournament that Jackie was running that afternoon, and they partnered together, and there was a bunch of other celebrities, including Gordon Cooper, an astronaut who had his own UFO yeah. sighting and was apparently uh, fairly close to Nixon. They were both Freemasons and very high up-ranking Freemasons, and you're not supposed to reveal secrets. And mm -hmm. that may be why Jackie never came forward with this story on his own. People would ask him about it, uh, and he would just say, no comment, I don't want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. uh, according to biographers, privately, a few friends asked Jackie, how can you be so sure we're being visited? And Jackie just grumpily said, Nixon showed me the evidence, end of story. And so that's proof, again, that this story is real, it's not made up by Beverly mm -hmm. and that these friends who did talk to Jackie got this kind of grumpy short response. Nixon showed me the evidence. I saw it for myself. So uh, we have that. And I wish Jackie had written something or right. taped something, you know, filmed something to be released after his death. If he did, it has not been released. Uh, we all miss him because he was a tremendous talent, just a larger than life personality. But in reading about him, I found biographers said he was always truthful. He didn't make up tall tales or silly stories. He wasn't a, a BS artist or a hoaxer himself. Mm -hmm. uh, he did tell jokes, but he wasn't that much of a stand-up comedian. He was a sketch comedian and, and an actor in movies, and including drama. He was amazingly talented. And Jackie's mm -hmm. wife said that uh, he felt that he, uh, he said in private, I've had past lives. I believe in reincarnation. And then in some of my dreams, Jackie said, I've relived uh, some of my past life experiences, including, uh, according to this article by Beverly Gleason, uh, she said that Jackie described uh, uh, several dreams in which he was uh, a knight in armor uh, fighting battles during the time of Henry VIII in uh, like medieval uh, England, uh, that he even picked out a white horse to ride into battle and he always came out victorious uh, and so uh, jackie wasn't the type to just make up stuff he right. wanted cold hard facts and that's why he would call up people to ask them about their ufo sightings and stories and on this radio show long john nebel that's the man's name 
uh, the New York City uh, radio program, he would denigrate some UFO stories. He was a little cynical and skeptical. He didn't believe everything he heard. So this all bears to good character. He was a good man, uh, apparently a Freemason, a good organization of uh, civic-minded, good-hearted men. My grandfather was a Freemason, uh, by the way, and I think highly of them. And so uh, Jackie knew how to keep secrets, but he blurted that out that one night to his wife uh, because uh, he was so flabbergasted and excited and just numb. And she was really concerned, like, um, what happened to you? <laughs> so uh, the, another key factor in understanding the story and that it's believability is Beverly Gleason said uh, in the days and weeks after Jackie would have big mood swings. He'd be all giddy with excitement that the president of the United States, his buddy, showed him the proof at last. He, above all other citizens, got to see it. And then he would swing in the opposite direction. He was furious at the government for keeping this a secret. And he says, why do they have uh, all of these false statements saying we don't know if we're being visited or we don't have any evidence when they do have evidence? They've cultivated this evidence in military bases. I saw it for myself here at Homestead and that uh, the government is lying and I have to keep my mouth shut. He did say to Beverly that Mr. Nixon swore him to secrecy at the base before they left. And he probably broke that uh, sworn oath just one time, apparently, when he got home and felt his wife was owed an explanation. So uh, Beverly said, it is true that I saw Jackie with President Nixon on a couple of occasions. They were golfing buddies. And I got to meet the president once under these circumstances. Uh, he came over to our home and was lounging around the back deck. Jackie lived on a golf course called Inverary in Louder Hill, Florida, a suburb of Miami. And he just uh, had an upscale home with a big back deck where he could walk out to a helicopter pad right behind his home. And that's where Nixon landed that very afternoon in a helicopter, Marine One, and spoke with Jackie on camera at Jackie's golf tournament for CBS. So we knew that uh, Nixon knew how to get there. He and his pilot had the coordinates and uh, were experienced in landing. And that's how they could have sent a helicopter that night to pick up Jackie. He just walked right out of uh, to the golf course, got in the chopper, and they took him to Homestead. I doubt if Nixon was on that trip. He was probably at Homestead waiting for him, but it's mm -hmm. possible Nixon wanted to pick up his buddy and took Marine One, the helicopter, right back to Inverary that night when it got dark. And then they uh, flew over uh, to Homestead. Mr. Nixon lived in Key Biscayne, uh, where he had a, uh, a beach house. And even this is very suspicious because Mr. Nixon had a very nice estate in San Clemente, California, almost palatial by the seashore. And uh, why did he need this Key Biscayne summer house? He went there 55 times during his presidency in and out of Homestead Air Force Base, where Jackie said there were dead aliens in a kind of laboratory, almost like... Uh, a morgue or maybe an operating room or something mm -hmm. where he would examine them scientifically. So it's very strange that Nixon was in and out of there so many times and had a home in California. Why would he even get a beach house down there when he could just fly to his beach house in California, mm -hmm. which he often did, but it wasn't good enough. So you have to ask yourself, was there something going on between alien landings at this top security uh, 
Air Force Base, and Nixon wanted to be around to monitor this. It's speculation on my part, I admit. Right, right, right. But this would be why he would uh, buy this simple home in Key Biscayne and be within a brief helicopter's flight to and mm -hmm. from Homestead. Uh, Mr. Nixon put in a helipad right behind his Key Biscayne home, and he would just jaunt back and forth to Homestead all the time. Took about 15, 20 minutes of flight. And he just loved Marine One. He would take it everywhere. And he did on the day uh, in question, he went to a hotel and then to Jackie's golf tournament. So everything uh, slots together perfectly for this to be a very real, believable story. I wish we had more documented proof, but I mm -hmm. went through Mr. Nixon's um, personal uh, presidential diaries. And on the night of what this event in question, there's a page that just happened to be removed after 8.30 at night. What a coincidence, huh? Mm -hmm. And it says pages or document has been removed from this file. So it picks up the next morning when Mr. Nixon got uh, showered, shaved, ate breakfast, went back to Homestead Air Force Base and flew north. So something went on that night that had to be covered up. It's pretty obvious. And this is exactly what fits with our story with Mr. Gleason and Mr. Nixon. Now, when you talk about Mr. Gleason's interest in this, I mean, he really was in it, really was into it. I mean, at an investigator yeah. level. I mean, it's incredible to think he had that coil and all that stuff for possible communication with whatever's out there. Yeah. Um, it's hard to conceive why Jackie would have all of this stuff mm -hmm. if he wasn't almost trying to communicate with aliens himself. It sounds pretty wild, but we know he was obsessed. We know he had all these uh, home ham radios upstairs. There was even a guy uh, I read about from Radio Shack in Miami. So Jackie used to come in for parts all the time for his uh, ham radios and could speak very intelligently on how to hook them up and, and run and operate them and listen in. So I doubt if he was interested in air traffic. I don't know what else he could have been doing. Mm -hmm. uh, there was another man uh, in the Miami area who was a bookstore owner. Said Jackie came in so often to buy paranormal books that they just started shipping them directly to his house and he would send them a check. And so uh, they knew what Jackie liked and, and you know he was a customer just like mm -hmm. anyone else. Uh, Jackie always took a limousine around town. He was a terrible driver. So let's dispel the notion that somehow Nixon drove to his house uh, 35 miles across Miami in the dark and picked him up in a car. And then they drove 45 miles down to Homestead Air Force. That's just nonsense. But they could have gone very easily and quickly by helicopter. And I'm pretty sure they did. So uh, Jackie was a terrible driver and Nixon wasn't the greatest driver either and was accustomed to a limousine uh, as president. So uh, the story fits together beautifully, and I believe it is an apt sequel to the Eisenhower encounter. I uh, compare and contrast 10 different, uh, uh, not coincidences, but similarities between what Eisenhower did one night on February 19th, 1954, and what uh, Mr. Nixon did at night, February 19th, 1973. And, uh, you know, it's the same method of operation, off to an airbase to see alien materials with the press kept at bay and uh, getting back by close to midnight that night and swearing people to secrecy. It's almost as if Mr. Nixon copied a playbook that Eisenhower handed him. Mm -hmm. And it's just funny that that date cropped up you know, a second time. I mean, what makes that date so significant? Yeah, uh, and in between, uh, Lyndon Johnson was president. On the 10th mm -hmm. anniversary of the 54 encounter, 
on February 19th, Lyndon Johnson got on the phone with, of all people, Dwight Eisenhower. Then he got in Air Force One and flew all the way to Southern California and met with Eisenhower in person in private meetings uh, in Palm Springs. That's where uh, Mr. Eisenhower went on February 19th, 1954. And of all the places in the world, Johnson just had to go there and talk to Eisenhower in person on the 10th anniversary of this apparent treaty. And there are some gaps in their schedule. So they could have been up to extraterrestrial matters in Palm Springs, LBJ and Eisenhower. And four years later in 68, surprise, surprise, Johnson flew all the way out to the uh, Palm Springs desert to visit with Mr. Eisenhower on February 19th, 1968. Yeah. So we see that date again. So and it's yeah. awfully suspicious. Uh, I'm sure Eisenhower would have loved to have been part of the uh, Nixon uh, airbase visit, but he died in March of 69, just a couple months after Mr. Nixon took office. So uh, Nixon was on his own and could do whatever he want. And uh, I think that he did. He felt like nobody tells me what to do. I'm king of the hill. And he pretty much was. If someone in like the CIA or National Security Administration didn't like what he was doing, tough for them. You know, he could fire them. And just a few weeks before the uh, Nixon encounter at the airbase with Gleason, Nixon fired the head of the CIA, um, uh, kicked him out of office, and uh, for some reason uh, had him remove his files. And I'm, I'm trying to remember the man's name. Uh, I can see his picture. Um, he was made an ambassador to Iran, but uh, that man was fired. And it's as if he may have heard about this plan and tried to, you know, interfere with what Nixon wanted to do at Air Force, uh, Homestead Air Force Base with top secret materials. So Nixon just canned him. Uh, that is, uh, Nixon did fire him, but uh, we don't know the exact reason why. Um, Richard Helms, that's the director's name. So he was out of the way too. So uh, it was the perfect storm, I guess you would say, of conditions that led to Nixon deciding to show Jackie Gleason this. And one other factor, Jackie Gleason's birthday was coming up in just a few days. <laughs> what do you get for the man who has everything but this obsession with aliens? Wow. So again, I think that kind of cinched the deal. Let's take Jackie to Homestead. And you know, it makes you wonder because Gleason didn't like to fly them. Maybe he was a contactee at some point. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe so. Uh, I've never heard that or even thought about that. Mm -hmm. But it might account for his fear of flying or being up in craft and being obsessed with aliens. So yeah. uh, you never know. That's a pretty good uh, conjecture there on your part. Now, when he had the house designed in New York, I mean, how hard, you know, back, back then, right? How hard was it to have something like that built? Oh, I think it was pretty tough, but he had a lot of money to burn. Right. And to backtrack, Eisenhower met with aliens in 54, February of 54, at the lip of an Air Force base hangar in uh, uh, Edwards Air Force Base of Southern California. Jackie custom built this house and insists that it be built in an Air Force base hangar and shipped to Peekskill, New York and slotted together. Now, there's another weird factor in this story. Mm -hmm. It's almost as if Jackie heard the story of the Eisenhower encounter and became obsessed with this and built his own custom built UFO house to make him feel like he lived in a spaceship. It was near the edge of a bluff where you had this great view and you could lick out the big bay windows and he had celebrity guests over. 
uh, Audrey uh, Meadows, his co-star from uh, The Honeymooners, said she was invited over and was astonished at this big circular house with the big glass window views, and it looked like, you know, a big spaceship. And that uh, supposedly biographers say that uh, Mr. Nixon was an invitee. Uh, it was put together and finished in 59 when Nixon was still vice president. So uh, he often spent time in New York City. That's, uh, that's very possible. And I'm sure with Jackie's obsession with aliens, he had been badgering Nixon for years. Can you sure. tell me what the government knows? Can you show me? Can I see a file? That kind of thing is reasonable to speculate me about Mr. Gleason, that he really wanted the facts badly. And I think he just kind of wore down Nixon and it all came together in February of 73. Yeah, it makes you wonder about uh, his famous slogan, right, for the honeymooners. To the moon, Alice. Right. He did a lot of that, like, you're going to the moon or you're going to space, Alice. Yeah. Uh, he uh, That was the whole theme of the start of the honeymooners was this right. big uh, orb of the, the moon and uh, threatening to send Alice there and dressing up as an alien and saying, I'm the man from space. Mm -hmm. uh, he had his personal obsession that didn't often spill into his entertainment programs. But this is another factor. After Jackie's uh, encounter, he stopped working. He was so emotionally upset. He worked only a little in television later in 73 and then very little after that, he didn't do any movies in 73, 74, 75. Uh, he appeared in one brief film um, in 76. And then he made the classic Smokey and the Bandit, in which he played a Southern sheriff. And that revived his career tremendously. And he got lots of movie roles. And he kind of got on more solid ground with his career and uh, passed away in 1987. Uh, there is a rumor that he told Tom Hanks during the making of Nothing in Common in 1986 that Nixon showed me the proof at Homestead. I obviously don't have access to Tom Hanks. I'd like to hear that story. Uh, but uh, whether it's true or not, I don't know. But it would kind of fit with this other tale that biographers say that uh, Jackie just blurted out, well, Nixon showed me the evidence, and that's all he wanted to say. Uh, he was... Uh, closed mouth when he could have easily dismissed this, given a press conference, right. a, released a press statement. It said, uh, you know, this Homestead Air Force Base rumor my wife said is just nonsense. But he didn't do that. He never knocked down the story. And I believe that also lends it a great deal of credence. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how big was, was this UFO house, uh, the square footage? Uh, uh, I don't recall the square footage. I might have it in my book, uh, but it wasn't that huge. And there were some smaller uh, buildings around it. And mm -hmm. it had a small circular garage, which he called the scout ship. And he called the main house, the mothership. <laughs> and that's how fanatic uh, he was. The, this just UFO obsessed person had to even build a home and try to pretend like he lived in one. And so even his garage had a car in it, and it was the circular with a metal, uh, silver metal roof. And I put a picture of that on my Facebook and Twitter mm -hmm. and such. Uh, mm -hmm. I have plenty of photos for folks to look at under uh, Eisenhower and Nixon's uh, Close Encounters on Facebook and Paul Blake Smith author's page. And so uh, I've got other photos to share as I continue to promote the book. 
but uh, it just goes to show you the hard proof is there. The, 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 the house still exists. It's still out there in Westchester County, New York. Uh, I believe it's private property. They don't encourage you too much to go there, I'm sure. But there was a video by a man some years ago who decided, I'm going to go look at this house. And he took his video camera. And by golly, he walked all the way around the, the perimeter of the house and looked in and things, took some video camera of uh, everything he could. There was nobody there at the time. Place was empty. He got lucky. Uh, today, you might find it uh, no trespassing or even guarded or gated. But it is a piece of history, you know, uh, Jackie's uh, place where he held these celebrity parties and looked through telescopes and a special Tesla scope. And whether he fired up Nikola Tesla's coil, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you wouldn't put it past Jackie. I mean, what's the point of having this unless you maybe try to send out some electricity and some cosmic waves to uh, make contact? Uh, he was that uh, cuckoo for aliens. And I also find it interesting, like you say, that Bob Hope built, built a similar house. Yeah, uh, I don't think he had any telescopes in it, right. but he and his wife, Dolores, had this custom-built home, cost a fortune, and they would have parties in it. And he said when it was finished, it was kind of like being in a bus terminal. There was nothing too personal about it. It was like a public building, frankly. And they had a few parties. Bob Hope had homes all over Palm Springs and Temecula and uh, Toluca Lake, California, where he lived. Uh, and so the, what was the point of building this thing? He already had plenty of homes, but he may have gotten bitten by the bug himself after mm -hmm. talking to Jackie and possibly seeing uh, what Mr. Nixon showed Jackie at Homestead, whether it was that night or another night. Uh, Bob also was a frequent guest of the White House, and you can hear him on some uh, White House recordings. I tried listening to some of those, and they're awful garbled, or the microphones were hidden uh, far from their conversation, and you can't quite make out what they were talking about. But uh, Bob was a very public supporter of the president, and they were pretty close, and I think Bob was kind of shocked at the Watergate revelations and all the things that uh, Nixon was involved in, criminal matters that forced him from office. I think he and Jackie didn't have a whole lot of contact with Mr. Nixon after that. I think they were so let down, like so many Americans, that Nixon went into a kind of uh, seclusion in San Clemente for many years, and he didn't uh, give public interviews for years or uh, speak in uh, Republican Party of uh, events. He became kind of a persona non grata, kind of a sad figure for many years. He managed to rehab his uh, reputation a little bit with some books, and then he passed away in the mid-1990s. Uh, he was actually in New York uh, City in a hospital uh, after he had suffered a stroke, I think in 94. And another patient, a floor or two below him in that hospital was Jackie Kennedy, of all people. Uh, she was ill with lymphatic cancer, and they both passed away uh, in that sad period. Uh, but uh, what uh, Jackie got from other presidents, I don't know, but that leads to another quick story. Uh, there's a biography, a couple of biographies made mention of Jackie was in a New York City bar and was talking to a guy uh, about UFOs. And uh, he told him emphatically, loudly, four different U.S. presidents have told me we're being visited by aliens. 
And an Air Force general happened to be across the room and he walked across the room and said to this guy, Jackie's right, you know, and walked away. Uh, I, I put uh, in my book who this Air Force general was, very high ranking, uh, respected gentleman named General O'Donnell. And uh, this story is apparently a true one. And if Jackie was not boasting or making up stuff as he was not prone to do, Mm-hmm. That means he probably talked to Nixon, maybe Johnson or Kennedy or Eisenhower. Uh, they were all in office and he would have badgered them mercilessly to find out this story. Uh, it just confirms that presidents know more than they're saying and they keep it to, to themselves. Now, uh, in these uh, modern times, we see Obama, Bush and Clinton go on talk shows like Stephen Colbert and uh, Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel, right. and they're asked about this point blank, you know, and they give flippant answers and say, well, I can't really go into that. It's national security. But uh, that's another indication that uh, they know more than uh, what they're letting on and they can't talk about it, but uh, they know, they're they aware we're being visited. And now we're getting to the point of congressional hearings, whistleblowers, people coming forward to finally tell that, you know, I work for the government. We've got these bodies and crash debris on ice. They're being examined by scientists under top secret conditions, mm-hmm. kind of like what Jackie saw. Right. That these, uh, bodies were in a lab, probably there to be examined as closely as possible so we can learn about uh, alien anatomy and uh, what's possibly visiting us uh, you know, in the future and how to right. communicate with them and so forth. So now we're getting more and more of this and uh, congressional hearings are coming and we may be in for some exciting revelations if uh, these whistleblowers don't meet with a sudden accident, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, if they're not muzzled or if the government doesn't come out with some sort of denial that they usually do. Uh, it'll be exciting times as the summer rolls along and uh, Senator Marco Rubio and Christian Gillibrand of New York, Democrats and Republicans alike, they want some answers and they're tired of being yanked around. Mm-hmm. And we may finally get some uh, very revealing uh, stories coming uh, as the year progresses, hopefully. That was my next question. Do you ever think there's going to be full disclosure? Probably not full disclosure, but they may start grudgingly admitted that, yeah, we've got a few things on ice. We've recovered a few things we can't talk about. It's still top secret. And I hope they start with Cape Girardeau in 1941, where I'm from. Uh, I was not yet born, of course, but uh, uh, that would be a good starting point. I think it was the first crash in American history that uh, at least the military recovered and hushed everyone up. Mm-hmm. And uh, after that, six years later, Roswell, a much more famous case. But uh, those would be stories they could start and admit, you know, long ago, mm-hmm. we had these things happen. We felt it was for the best. We didn't want to start a panic. Uh, we were afraid back then, but I guess we can talk about it now. That's what I'm hoping that they'll grudgingly admit, that uh, these stories that we were forced to cover up then, uh, I guess we can admit to this at least now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they had this 60 minute story uh, a couple of years ago in the spring, and they talked to Air Force pilots. And one guy said, We see these unidentified flying objects every time we send a pilot out, you know, on a mission. Every time. And, uh, you know, we can't explain how fast they move and uh, their propulsion systems, these tic tacs, orbs, discs, elongated craft. 
and you know they're showing up in people's viral videos on the internet and multiple mm -hmm. views of the same object or uh, from around the world and it's getting tougher and tougher to deny that yes mm -hmm. we're being visited and monitored and observed uh, without being too directly uh, contacted or interfered or disrupting our society so uh, it, all i can say is that uh, the proof will be in the pudding if they let these people who worked with the government and saw the files or film footage or photographs or saw the actual bodies in debris mm -hmm. come forward and testify and then you may have a whole house of cards kind of collapse and mm -hmm. uh, some grudging uh, disclosure admissions at last we'll see we'll see we'll see um, do you think, uh, you know, as far as all this goes, because, I mean, there are reports of these things way back in World War One. Right. The pilots were seeing them, and, and, and they thought that, that it was a weapon from the other, you know, that the Germans were doing it. Right. Uh, Foo Fighters or Daylight Discs or Orbs, mm -hmm. they called them back then. Uh, uh, Dwight Eisenhower was in charge of the Supreme uh, Allied uh, Command mm -hmm. and uh, apparently was reading some of these reports. He couldn't help but notice. And there's a report from a man who says, my grandfather said he was a bodyguard for Winston Churchill and was standing nearby when Churchill met with Eisenhower during World War II. And they discussed uh, a UFO sighting. This disc had been shadowing a British RAF plane. And what do we say to the public? What do we do? And they both agreed, keep it hushed up. Don't talk about it. It might cause a panic. It would cause people to lose their religious faith. Mm -hmm. uh, that was they were both very religious men and they wanted the Christian faith preserved. I don't know why this would really damage it in any way. More people might believe in God, frankly, mm -hmm. uh, if you learn that there are uh, multiple creatures in the vast cosmos may be created by God in the Big Bang Theory, that uh, God's greatness expends, extends far beyond planet Earth. But uh, that's not the way they thought about it back then. And maybe some people right. to this day uh, have a religious dogma that would keep them from uh, releasing facts to the American public. But again, uh, it's encouraging to hear that we may finally get some testimony, uh, maybe on live television or behind the scenes with a, mm -hmm. a report filed later by responsible, mature members of Congress, unless it gets hushed up and, you know, sworn to secrecy and right. get it locked up in a file somewhere. <laughs> it's no, you, something they want to keep hushed up, but we'll see. Right. When you talk about the significance of the February 19th, do you think, and I know there's no proof for any of this, but there's just stories, but do you think to this day we, we're still signing a treaty? Well, that's a very good question. I don't have an answer for you. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Uh, I rely uh, on a document that is reprinted in my book. Mm -hmm. that was dated January of 1989. And it mm -hmm. talks about not only have we had contact, but in the early 70s, when Nixon was in charge, there were diplomatic exchanges at Air Force bases. And this may be, it's just speculation, why Nixon kept going to Homestead Air Force Base, where maybe aliens were landing, disgorging American diplomats, military members, who would come back in and, and uh, give the full account of what they uh, learned on another planet and on the spaceship headed to this planet. Uh, the document made it clear that there were lots, like dozens of files that are very interesting and worth reading. And in reading about Mr. Nixon, he went to Key Biscayne and spent a lot of his time reading top secret files 
out of communication with his aides and his family. And I'm thinking, what was he reading all the time? I mean, some of it could have been the Cold War, the Vietnam War, important matters. But maybe this is another reason why he kept going to Homestead Air Force Base to get the latest file and read the juicy facts that he felt privileged to uh, read and he needed to have a grip on a handle on this situation. Now, I know it's a pretty wild story, right. but there is a story of Project Serpo. Have you heard that? Yeah, that said there were diplomatic exchanges and American uh, Air Force personnel went with aliens who were friendly into outer space and came back like a year or two later and, and reported on uh, what they experienced. And the, the really exciting part of this is that an exchange, well, that means the aliens came out of the craft and sent some representatives into an airbase uh, office mm -hmm. and communicated apparently as well as they could, maybe in English, uh, what they knew and answer questions and fill up uh, top secret classified files on that. So uh, then they would get together and the aliens would come back when their ship would land go back in and the American pilots would come back out and uh, be debriefed. And so it's just a heck of an exciting concept, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the last question I have for you is when, when you start researching something like this, what do you have to go through to research this? This, this has to take time. Yeah, uh, you have to go through lots and lots of books, magazine articles, newspaper online, digitized files, presidential records, uh, YouTube videos. They're your old pal. You'll be back on there soon, I'm sure. Uh, just any uh, website, uh, you have to weed out what you know is nonsense uh, and get rid of the wild conspiracy theories and such and uh, try to get corroborating evidence and put it together and make it a cogent uh, story and readable and exciting. And I tried to do that. I, like I mentioned earlier, I try to cram in as many facts to make sure the reader gets his money's worth. It's not mm -hmm. just a flimsy, empty book. And I put in sources and resources and where I got my data. For those who are interested in the Nixon-Gleason alien encounter, which you can get at Amazon, uh, you should feel like you got your money's worth. It, uh, I give you plenty to chew on, including information on John Lennon, and Nixon, uh, David Bowie, Jackie Gleason, uh, Nikola Tesla, and uh, Gordon Cooper, and all these figures that were around in the early 70s and seemed to kind of be obsessed with this one topic that we're still obsessed with today, alien visitation. Absolutely. Paul, I want to thank you for coming on. It's always fun. Uh, I enjoyed it, and I hope everyone enjoys watching this show and reading my book. <laughs> and what's next for you? Uh, I've got information on President Ronald Reagan, governor of California, U.S. Sure. president, and he came to Cape Girardeau, and he once went to Roswell Air Base and gave a speech wow. just right near the hangar where there were Roswell aliens, and apparently Ra uh, Reagan had one or two UFO sightings of his own. I wish I had more stuff that was new more material that you haven't heard or a document mm -hmm. would surface that uh, sure. uh, people have not seen before. I don't know if I have enough for uh, an exciting new book. It would encapsulate some things that are already kind of known, but we'll see in the uh, next year or two as I piece this together. Well, thank you again for coming and we'll have you on again to talk more about this stuff. All right. so, maybe, all right. maybe a year or two, I'll have that book finished and we'll be back here about California's very own Ronald Reagan. There we go. All right, sir. Well, you have a good rest of your evening. Uh, you too. Thank you so much.
All right. I mean, that's fascinating to me. It's just absolutely fascinating to, 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 to think about these possibilities, especially like Jackie Gleason and, and uh, another movie stars or, 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 you know, artists going out to see these things. Okay, tomorrow's going to be a little different. Tomorrow I have to do a makeup class. Uh, Sunday's class didn't go off as expected, so I'm going to be doing it tomorrow evening at 6. So what's going to happen is that we're going to have a best of, and I think you guys will like this best of, it is Reverend Bill Bean and how he fights demons and, 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 the other, and the other forces of evil. So that is over on YouTube. You guys have access to YouTube. I don't. So that's, that's going to be one that's over at YouTube. So I, you know, I'll get the, I think the links are already up for it. So you guys are all set to go. So that'll be tomorrow night at 6, at, at 6 o'clock. Or 6.30. I'm sorry, 6.30 p.m. Or whatever you want. Just go click. It doesn't matter. You know, just go check it out. But it's a really good interview, uh, an hour and 20-minute interview with uh, talking with, with Mr. Bean. Great. I, I would love to get him back on as a guest, so hopefully we can do that. Okay, and Friday, of course, I will be back uh, with Nancy Matz, and we're going to be talking about things. We're going to be talking about Twin Flames and stuff on Friday night, so just remember that one. But anyway, uh, I want to thank everybody for coming tonight. I really appreciate it. Again, if you're uh, watching this and you like what you saw, show me some love, give me some hearts, some thumbs up, and things like that. And it helps it helps us with the algorithm. You know, the, the more you do, the more you react to my stuff, the higher we go in the Facebook algorithm, meaning that other that a lot of people can see us. Okay, it goes out, it distributes further out. Um, again, thank you all, and I will see you tomorrow night. Or I mean, uh, I'm sorry about that. Friday night, too many days in my life. I will see you guys Friday night uh, with uh, live with with me, Nancy Matt. In the meantime, real quick, if you're interested in becoming a ghost hunter on our team, go over to. Uh, the uh, California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team meetup page. Sign up over there. It's under events. That, that event will be Saturday at 6 p.m. Pacific. Okay? All right. I'll see you guys, and uh, have a great couple days. I'll see you Friday. And here's his information and his books. Websites are a-argusbooks.com and mo41.info. And President Eisenhower's Close Encounters, the Nixon-Gleason Alien Encounter. And you've got three presidents, dash two accidents. And you've got MO41, the bombshell before Roswell. And of course, like he says, you can get those at Amazon. And if you want to check out pictures of Jackie Gleason, uh, his house and whatnot, Go uh, look Paul Blake Smith up on uh, Facebook, and they're all over there. You can check those things out. All right, I will see you guys on Friday live, and uh, hopefully I see a lot of you on Saturday as well. Have a great evening. Good night.